this summer we're bringing you double koi gig let's get to the Russo goal straight away like a back heel nutmeg like it was <laughs> for me it was one of the moments of the tournament subscribe to the OTB koi gig pod on the OTB sports app now OTB AM with Gillette get into your flow with the new Gillette Labs razor with exfoliating bar Dan McDonald joins us. I'm going to read out Dan's tweet uh, from Full Time, which is a bit sobering. I'll put everything into context afterwards. Great night for the League of Ireland clubs. The wins should be used as ammunition for improvement. Thoughts immediately now turn to whether there'll be suitable stadiums for the third round. New generation of players and managers deserve better. Dan is with us now. Dan, how are you getting on this morning? Morning. How are things? It, like, it is an obvious question. I mean, we've been chatting to the Sligo lads about it all morning. They would love the game to be at the showgrounds, but realistically, it's going to be incredibly difficult to do so. And all likelihood, they're probably going to have to go to Dublin because the club had already gone to speak to UEFA. We're told the temporary seating couldn't go in, so it makes it very difficult to meet the requirements to be able to host Viking in a couple of weeks' time. That's for the clubs logistically to work out over the next couple of weeks, but having to give away home advantage would be uh, quite a disappointment for Sligo particularly. Yeah, and like this is this is this is the point. I mean, there's obviously great sort of euphoria with the results last night, um, but you know, I sort of remember maybe a decade ago or so, um, you know, some Pats getting through a couple of rounds and having to move to Tala, and like this has happened in a couple of uh, instances in our time. Obviously, the Dundalk games, I think you referenced earlier, mm. um, and it's a it's a consistent issue here, and I think. You know, sometimes it's obviously a constant cry for oxygen and exposure. Um, and when when the sort of news cycle turns around in your direction, it is the opportunity to to make that point and to to keep driving home that argument because it was always a big frustration for people in in Dundalk that you know they had these great European nights and in theory, like these great European teams should have been coming to their town and to their locality. And um, you know they weren't like that. That business was going to Tala, and it may well be that that, that Sligo Rovers end up in a you know in a similar situation as much as they haven't given up hope. But the time is not on their side, and there's a lot of issues not on their side. So that's that's the you know, just this is the frustration here because um, you know I think people would acknowledge that the product is better. In saying that, like there's a lot more to do there too, and you can't let a couple of results sort of. Uh, make you think that everything is fine either. I think that's not the the, the, the sort of the constructive response to it um, as much as you have to enjoy it. But I think, I mean, the broader issue, and I do think people are aware of this in positions of authority, and this is the result of sort of years of neglect. Um, but the facilities and the platforms and the stages need to be better because I actually think the product will be better when you can you can almost give these uh, clubs a little bit more of an arena to show what they can do. Um, so that's it, it is a point you have to make in the midst of any sort of celebration. Dan, hold that thought for a second. We're going to just uh, sort out a few rocking up and down uh, camera issues with uh, Dan at the moment. I wonder if we're in a boat there. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, that is a key point, though, which we'll pick up with Dan in the moment, which is that if clubs particularly are able to get the finances in or if maybe work can be done with local councils to try and arrange ways of upgrading Stadia. That is one way for the League of Ireland to kick themselves to another level here. 
big time because even some of these teams that are travelling over here, you know, that they're seeing the the stadiums and the dressing rooms, the facilities, they're not up to scratch. It's you know, it's it's not a secret. We know that. So you know, even even that side of things, you can it spur you on. Or this is a small time league club that we're going to play. Like when it's not the case, a lot of the times, look, we've seen the results. So yeah, big time. I think there's a lot of improvements that need to be done, as Dan said. Um, and now I suppose we're in a situation where you can't fill the state. You can fill the stadiums two, three times over, probably with the amount of fans that want to come well, now. You were on the press conference about Daily Man yesterday with Daniel Lambert yes, in the studio. Yeah. Yeah. a bit earlier this week too and he was making the point that there's actually a very good way of investing public money here mm-hmm. in a product that is very important and developing players and developing clubs within communities obviously he's talking primarily about Daily Man but they were talking about that yesterday as well Yeah it's a knock on effect throughout the, the whole club throughout the whole town you know if you if you see a stadium that's there kids see it you know it, it drives the, the whole thing on he was speaking a lot about um, having a terrace that that could be a really big advantage a lot of football fans want to stand when they when they come to games so that was something they're hoping to bring in um, at the moment they're still waiting to hear I think it's September 4th when they really get the confirmation so we're waiting to hear there but uh, it's positive of news for Bose in that sense. Yeah, it's a slight tangent, Dan. It's not getting away from the uh, European issue, but it is kind of related to it as well. It, it would seem for Bose and for Daily Mount at this stage that it's looking at a redevelopment as opposed to maybe those shiny designs that we saw last year of what would have been effectively a knockdown and rebuild. Yeah, no, I think, um, yeah, the, the, like it, it is, no, it, it is not, a ta- it's not a tangent because it's sort of relevant to the broader debate, as you mentioned. I mean, Bose played in the Aviva last year. There was obviously an element of a, they were great events as it happened and they used home advantage. But again, you know, they had great nights that they weren't able to play in their, in their base. But yeah, it does appear to be that way. Um, I don't know. Like I just get frustrated by this stuff because it's so slow. I mean, Daily Mend was meant to be a Euro 2020 uh, legacy project. Um, it's such an Irish football tale. I mean, I mean, Euro 2020 didn't even end up coming in the end either um, for sort of different reasons. But um, yeah, like you sort of get to the stage where you believe it when you see it with some of it without needing to be too world weary about it. Um, but it does appear like perhaps on paper it's a little bit more realistic. Um, this, this, this plan that has been proposed. I mean, I think there is a, a sort of a degree of self awareness that there is a quite high spend of sort of public money on this project. So you obviously have to be. Uh, it has to be appropriate level of spending, I suppose. But I suppose the flip side of that is, I mean, you know, there's obviously been significant uh, public spending in Tala, but look at what that facility has brought um, to the area and surrounds, not just for, say, one League of Ireland club, but under-21 games, the Senior Women's Internationals, the Finland game, which is sold out now, um, and other sports have actually been able to use that facility as well, too. And I think... You know, this broader point, like I've travelled around Europe covering League of Ireland clubs and it just drives you mad, like sort of seeing the facilities and, and particularly uh, you can go to Scandinavia and, and, you know, the Nordic region, I'm sure maybe Cycle Rovers might even experience it next week. But you go there and these, there's these massive sort of municipal facilities which are shared by all sports, by all codes, like several versions of that sort of dome that Connacht GEA have, but it's one that's used by multiple sports, multiple disciplines. Um, Was it Luxembourg, Dan, who had that really nice about 10,000-seater that Ireland played in as well? Yeah, like, like this, 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 you don't need, like, not, we're not talking about sort of big white elephants, sort of 30,000-seater venues or something like that. It's more purpose-built, smaller arenas, which look like, you know, there's, there's people in position now who are probably inheriting a lot of problems and 
you know, I would make the point that like Irish football boomed in the uh, the, the golden years, you know, of Jack Charlton, where every politician wanted to be pictured, you know, around a football event, around a match, around something. And that was really the time that you possibly could have driven the stadium argument. And for whatever reason, people weren't thinking that way. It was very much eyes on the prize, the tunnel vision of the senior team. And, and, and that was it. So you're sort of playing catch up now. Uh, and that's, that's frustrating. But this is why like these results, these games, you have to use that to drive the broader argument. In terms of what happened on the pitch, you were at the showgrounds last night, rocking, uh, played really well, beat Motherwell over two legs. We've been chatting about throughout the show. Um, so they go with probably hope more than expectation to play against Viking in Norway next week. Uh, but for Sligo particularly, it's not that long ago, Dan, that I remember um, they had the fundraising uh, boxes out to try and get money into the club. And now here they are with the best part of a million quid coming in over this run in Europe now. Yeah, I mean, listen, I walked into the ground last night, Will, and you know, the first thing you know, I was met by someone I know on the club's board who um, had to be a leaflet, you know, about sort of getting the message out that, you know, they're looking to recruit more members, you know, because it's a member-owned club. They have a certain amount of owners and they're looking for more. They're sort of, they're not, they would make the point that they don't have sort of a benefactor or sort of a sugar daddy who's able to maybe at the end of the year meet any shortfall. I mean, you know, pretty much what they what they earn, they have to try and put back into the club. Um and like that is, you know, that is that is the sort of the romance of the story, but it's the ongoing struggle of the story as well too. That like this money really does matter to them. And um, like you look at the the Sligo Rovers' broader plan, like they want to improve their facilities, their training ground. There's no doubt, like they can make a strong argument for the benefits of what they bring to the community because in recent years they've sort of improved their academy and there's sort of kids from all around the region involved. Like there's Niall Morhen last night from Leitrim. Uh, it was Caelan Barlow, uh, another local. There's uh, people from Mayo involved, players from Mayo involved, sprinkled in around with some sort of, uh, you know, outside overseas recruits. So there is sort of, um, you know, there's a, there's a broader story to what they're doing there. And while, yes, like it may well be that the next round is a bridge too far, although it's a little bit of a free hit for them. So you never know. I think that the value of what they've done this year will stand to them in the long run either way. You were very impressed by Caelan Barlow as well, Dan. Yeah, no, like he's, he's, I didn't know too much about him, to be honest. And I was only chatting to um, Conor O'Grady, who's the head of the academy afterwards, about him. And he was like, no, I mean, this, is, this isn't a surprise to us. And this is the thing, like, they have, I mean, they, in the last year, they had Johnny Kenny, who went to Celtic. Basically, you know, he came through, had one season, he was gone. Ed McGinty, gone to Oxford. John Matten's gone to St. Johnston. Like, you know, it's what you have to do. I know you've had discussions on the show this week about sort of um, the exodus of players and, you know, getting the right value for players. And that's obviously a, you know, a debate that will continue. But there is no doubt that through the sort of the national underage leagues and some of the changes in recent years, the Brexit point that's obviously been well documented, we are seeing more exciting young players coming through into the league. The, you know, the flip side of that is you may not see them for too long, but... Um, they are there and that is encouraging yeah it's frustrating you almost want to keep some of them under wraps if you possibly can and putting them on in TV against Motherwell where sides in the UK may well have seen them because on Premier Sports then you could easily lose them if they have a very good game but um, that is the nature unfortunately of the League of Ireland and I suppose the thing is Dan I was listening to the debate around it that Nathan was having last night the killer is that for agents they're going to want to put in these low release clauses which will see players leave 
and League of Ireland clubs who've had to develop these players along the way don't necessarily get a very nice cut of the transfer deal. It's like we hear about the Matt Doherty's, we hear about the Gavin Bazunu deals being quite good for Shamrock Rovers, but they are very few and far between when the deal is that lucrative for the League of Ireland team. Yeah, no, and I have. I listen. I, I did listen to. I listened to Pat Dean. It was on last night, and I mean, there's there's definitely like there's two sides to this argument. Again, there is no. There can be no arguing with the fact that like it's completely understandable why these players will go and pursue the opportunities that are offered to them. They're going to earn better money. They are going to a sort of a bigger shop window over there. I think everyone, or most people within the game here, sort of understand that. Um, but in say you know in saying that too, like there's there's definitely um, a perception of Ireland as a sort of a bargain basement operation um, that is definitely fueled and allows sort of agents, I think, to to really drive home the clauses and and to say you know our player will not sign for your club unless you give this clause, and they hold a, a lot of power. And I think you know sometimes people talk about like. You know, massive thinking that we're expecting sort of you know half a million for every player or something like that. I don't think that's the case. But in, but in saying that, like good players going for thirty grand is ridiculous. Like it's absolutely preposterous. Um, but again, that comes back to the broader point that people from from overseas come to our league. They see you know stadiums that are sort of substandard. Um, a lot of uh, inadequacies here. And that probably strengthens the argument for saying, well, why why would we pay money here? Um, you know, a lot of the volunteer, you know, a lot of the coaches at this club are, are volunteers; they're not even paid coaches, and they can construct all sorts of arguments to justify um, the bargain basement prices. What you probably hope is that the seven or eight have done well this year um, almost become flag bearers if they do very well. Well, then of course it's easier to to look for more next time. But there's there's two sides to the argument, and I think everyone will spin it in their direction uh, very favourably, including agents. And last night, what a night it was for the League of Ireland. It really highlighted it and it's really put the story out there and people are actually, I suppose, noticing and seeing what League of Ireland teams can do. Yeah, no, it's true, Ashley. Like, and I think, I mean, for me, like, you know, I'm obviously working the beat the whole year round, but the best time is always these European games. As much as sort of one-off results can be very deceiving in both directions, there can be a knee-jerk reaction if they're bad. There can probably be an overreaction when they're good, to be honest. But I, I think, you know, you have to sort of find your place in the calendar. I, I mean, I know, Will, you were tweeting about this this week, and I noticed the, the gap in the inter-county season is obviously a contentious one. And it's, it's not a case like there's multi-sport fans everywhere who can mm. like all sports. Um, but I think it is true that you do have this month of August now where there isn't a huge amount in terms of like major Irish-based sporting news stories. And for me, there's a sense of, okay, wouldn't it be great if this was the time of the year where maybe people got engaged with these sort of European matches a bit more? And also... And Conan touched on it there. Our clubs don't always make it as far as August, but when they do, if you can make them bigger events and, and sort of give these events a little bit of momentum and exposure because they're like they're really interesting games, you know. And in other countries, like they're they're often bigger news than they than they are here. I mean, you can you can watch some of the games this week on TV in other countries, but you can't watch it here. And I know the reasons for that. And it's not a case of just having a go at broadcasters because they have they have valid points they can raise too. But I think you have to get to the stage where the interest is such that the broadcasters have no option. I, by the way, didn't want to admit to Conan earlier on, but 
our WhatsApp group here in the office watched a Slovenian stream of the penalties with St. Pat's last night because we were able to find one. Like, but that is the bizarre thing, Dan. And, and some, in some ways, it's like the Father Ted quote, maybe I like the misery. There is something about being a League of Ireland fan and having to find some obscure stream somewhere to watch a game that almost adds to the enjoyment of it. I remember sitting with Shane Keenigan in this office a few years ago when it was the middle of the pandemic. I think we watched um, the derby between Bowes and Rovers and it was someone with like one of those kitman cameras that had linked it into his laptop and we were watching it behind closed doors. Like you, you almost have to go the extra step for the League of Ireland, which adds to the enjoyment a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I, I feel like I should, should contractually say in some way, I mean, it was available on LOI TV. I mean, people just have a mental block about paying for like journalistic or, you know, subscriber content, you know, when they, they pay it on a coffee or a pint without thinking about it, you know. So that is the thing. But it is, look, I know exactly what you're saying. Like I... I think the Sheriff and Dock game a couple of years ago, which was a you know a penalty shootout, it somehow ended up being streamed on YouTube by some. Uh, it was literally a guy in a phone. On that yeah, one. I think I ended up like you could hook it through YouTube to casting or whatever. But I, I mean, I, I see your point about people sort of revel in that misery to some degree. But it, I also hate that too. Like, I mean, it should be as I said, you're in Tala the other night. There's like Bulgarian sort of the Bulgarian Tonio Donahue or whatever is doing like you know, a pitch side report during the game. Like, this game has been digested. Like, they probably covered their Champions League teams there. Like, we might cover, say, Leinster or mm. sort of Munster here. You know, these are big sort of events. And yet sometimes here, you're sort of struggling for any any mention at all. And it can sort of, it, it can it can sort of, uh, it can lead to a sort of a, an angry complex then building up in people screaming for that coverage, which sort of creates a sort of a cycle of, anger around what should be a sort of an enjoyable time. So like that's the, you know, that is the sort of uh, the slight dysfunction that is sort of cemented here. I think um, some people, it, Dan, assumed that Rovers were just going to be on the TV on Tuesday because the previous round had been shown. And I appreciate that, like, RT were um, somewhat caught up because they were committed to showing all of the games at the Women's yeah. European Championship, so you had England and Sweden on the same night. But you would have thought we'd go on to news now or we're getting to a point where maybe alternatives should be available in those circumstances. Like, our champions should really be available to watch in every round of Europe. Listen, I think so. I think Archie did flag that some way out. And I think sometimes they they do absorb a lot of the grief. You know, mm-hmm. there obviously are other broadcasters who who could step in. But and, and, and again, I'm not ignorant to the facts that like, some of those would have commercial concerns. Um, and as well, I would make this point too that like, when our teams win, obviously you sort of bang the drum about it, but you have to be prepared to sort of ship some losses too. And the discourse and the debate that comes with that and at times. There's been some bad performances that people are probably been happy weren't on TV, but I think you have to get to the stage where these are sort of, a, as I said, sort of an ingrained part of the calendar that they are on the box in some shape or form. I don't think it's really possible to do it because of individual rights issues, but I'd love to see it structured into the TV deal in some way that these games almost, you know, they have to be shown. But I know that that's that's probably a hard thing to enforce and sort of slot into the the deal that's there at the moment, but. Um, I think like, there has to be more inventive ways at times or it has to be more imaginative ways to, to get these games broadcast to a wider audience. Like, you know, it's not as if there was a huge amount else going on last night, you know. But uh, again, were people optimistic about those clubs going through? Were they screaming beforehand that all these games should be on? Some people were. Everyone else is latching on to it a little bit in the aftermath. But... Um, I think, yeah, I think it's a, it's the perennial question, but um, 
maybe next year we say that like, like last year we the, the, we had the same same level of success you know that in the sense of you know the, the clubs that got to the third round the volume of clubs that got to the third round so um, the hope I suppose is that this becomes more regular and if it, you know it's not just every so often if it starts to happen on a regular basis then that argument sort of makes itself I just want to let you go Dan Conan's stake was going to be very difficult for Sligo and Pats to go through against Viking and against CSK Sofia particularly are we hopeful, though, that Shamrock Rovers, especially we saw in that second leg against Ludogorets, that Shamrock Rovers might be able to get to the group stages? Yeah, I think that's realistic. I mean, the champions, I mean, Shamrock Rovers, even if they lose their next tie against the champions of Macedonia, they get another go mm. uh, to get into the Conference League, whereas sort of Sligo or Pats have do or die in every round. Um, so Shamrock Rovers play the champions of Macedonia, uh, Shrupi, who are decent. They push Dynamo Zagreb close, but... I have to say, like it's a it's a lower ranked league. There comes a point where if you want to make that next step, it's one thing to lose to Luda Goretz and look at them and go, We can't compete, they have a wage bill of X amount, they pay this amount for a player. That's perfectly understandable and reasonable. It's harder to sell that point if you lose to the champions of Macedonia or Estonia as it was last year. I think they give Roberts play as well as they can. They can wrap up group stage football with a rent to spare, but that's that's the sort of the bridge they have to cross now. Dan, cheers for joining us on OTB AM. Thank you. OTB AM. With Gillette. Get into your flow with the new Gillette Labs Razor with exfoliating bar.